You're listening to The Breeding Mound by Mitchell Luti, performed by Scott Miller and Anna Capraro, produced by Citadel Studios for Sentinel Creatives. Come into the light. I can't see you. A laugh, like bone scraping bone. You wouldn't like seeing me, brother. Jens shifted on his bed, but leaves rustled beneath him, and his legs were wrapped up in roots and branches instead of his blanket. Come, brother. Join us. Who is us? Diedrich? What's going on? A shape moved in the shadows around Jens, a figure shifting on its haunches. Jens gagged as a wave of rot filled his nostrils, a stench of old bones, meatless and dry, and dead flowers. He pulled himself up, eager to escape the smell and whatever lurked in the shadows. Diedrich! Jens's eyes snapped open, and he rolled in his bed, still retching from the dream. The stink lingered for a second, like the grey, rotten meat of an old wound but it was gone by the time he drew himself up on the mattress. He wiped his mouth with the back of a hand. It was only then that he noticed that the door was open. He glanced at the cot beside his, expecting to see Diedrich sprawled out on the blankets, dirty boots and all. But the bed was empty, the blankets undisturbed. Diedrich hadn't returned yet. He was about to turn back to the door, when his eyes settled on a thin string of hair hanging at the foot of Diedrich's bed. Gooseflesh covered his skin when he saw the same charm hanging at the bottom of his own cot. Dark curls, frayed at the end, plaited into a tight knot. Small teeth, no larger than a child's, had been knitted into the string beside small bones. A child's too. Jens crawled forward in his bed to take a closer look when a shadow stepped in front of the moonlight spilling in from the door. There was that smell again, rotten, like old bones and barren soil, rotten meat gone grey. A soft clicking sound, rusted nails dropping on wood, like the trees scratching on the roof. Only it was coming from the silhouette standing at the doorway. Axel? said Jens, recognising his wiry frame. What was he doing here? Thomas. Before he could correct his mistake, the man spun around and started walking back out into the night. Thomas! He called, leaping from his bunk, his fears all but forgotten. He remembered his brother's words, his doubts about this Thomas. Where was Diedrich? Had Axel done away with him, and now come to do away with the last Oversen brother? Jens burst out of the lodgings in time to see Thomas disappear behind the washhouse glancing over his shoulder to meet Jens's eyes with his own. They were bloodshot in the moonlight and... scared, he realised. But he wasn't running, and Jens caught up to him with ease. Where's Diedrich? Jens demanded, 
grabbing Thomas by the arm. There was nothing but skin and bone to hold onto, and it felt like he was holding onto a broom handle, like it might snap beneath too much pressure. He relaxed his grip and pulled Thomas around to look him squarely in the eyes. What were you doing outside my room? Speak, man, speak! Thomas remained quiet, his thin lips curling until a crooked smile covered his face. Yellow teeth appeared like chipped tombstones from his mouth. Jens shoved him back with a sigh. You're mad, he said, shaking his head. All of you are mad. Did you leave that token by my bed? Where did you get those teeth from? Disgusting. Thomas stiffened at the mention of the string, and Jens raised a brow. Not you, then. Thomas shook his head once and then lifted a hand to point across the town. The church? Jens asked, staring across the uniform dwellings. The steepled roof of the church and its twin arched wings made it look all the more like a carrion bird, hunched and brooding in the night. Thomas nodded, another single curt motion. It is you, isn't it? Jens took a step toward the man, half expecting him to flinch or to leg it like a frightened rabbit. Thomas remained still, meeting Jens's questioning stare with his bloodshot eyes. A vein pulsed on his forehead, so thick and raised Jens thought it might burst. Again, that tombstone smile. This close, Jens could see the discoloration in Thomas's gums and the bloody pits where two of his teeth had been forcibly removed. His lips were slightly swollen around the area, cut by whatever tool had been used in the extraction. What happened to your tongue? said Jens, even as he realized the answer. Thomas opened his mouth wider, revealing the full extent of the damage. The skin around his molars was black and scarred. Jens winced at the graveyard breath that flooded out from the open moor, but stared long enough to see the scarred tissue and meaty stump where a tongue once sat. It looked like it had been pulled out at the root rather than cut, and a tattered tail of meat still flicked around in the back of Thomas's mouth. The mute wagged what remained of his tongue, flicking it against the roof of his mouth. The sound it made was immediately familiar, the soft echoing clicks that Jens had heard outside his door. He felt a momentary relief. He'd been right after all. There was nothing here, just a mad, half-starved mute poking around outside their lodgings at night. The relief was short-lived as another thought pulled its way to the fore. Why had they taken his tongue? Axel, Jens said, no longer a question. Who did this to you? Was it the people that live here? The church? Before Axel could confirm it, Jens felt him tense beneath his hands. He started wriggling, pulling away, his eyes fixed on something behind Jens, on the church. Jens let go, raising his hands to show that he didn't mean him any harm. But Axel bolted the moment he let go, and this time he did not look back. Jens considered chasing after him again, plunging into the darkness after the frightened rabbit like a wolfhound, and then thought better of it. He was still feeling the effects of the Akvavit and Lager. Axel would have disappeared down the first hole he found anyway. Where would he even begin looking? He let out a tired sigh and turned to stare back at the church. Axel had been spooked, but by what? As his eyes adjusted to the gloom, he started making out figures moving in the darkness. People, dozens of them, until it seemed the whole town was streaming toward the church. 
Jens stared past the slow-moving crowd, down the road toward the old mill. They were coming from the feast of St. Ansgar. An evening service, Jens wondered. It was well after midnight, and the church, from what he remembered, was in no state for midnight mass. Jens's speculation was cut short by the shrill cry, an aching scream as long as a breath. His hand went instinctively to his hunting knife before he remembered that there were no wolves here, no predators left to challenge man's dominion. His brow knotted as he watched the townsfolk increase their pace, moving quickly toward the church. As they got closer, Jens could just make out their faces in the night. Diedrich had been right, Jens thought, walking toward the church. These people smiled too much. The cries grew louder as Jens approached. He realised with some discomfort that not all of them were moans of pain. Some of them were closer to the throes of a woman in great pleasure rather than suffering. Though he was acutely aware, the distinction was not always obvious. The others hadn't noticed him join their procession, or else they didn't care. Jens recognised some of their number. The violinist from the longhouse, the young girl who'd greeted him at the door, he even saw the sister of the woman he danced with, but not her. He stared over the heads of the crowd, hoping to glimpse her flower crown and curls. Buren's toad-like face appeared ahead of him and then disappeared through the church doors before Jens could call to him. He shuddered as another scream washed over him. He shook again when he realised he couldn't tell if it had been a scream of pain or pleasure, or of both. The church doors were open wide like the mouth of a cave, drawing him in as those behind pressed forward. A soft light filled the room, and Jens blinked as the midnight gloom was replaced by a warm glow. The same stink that had heralded his last visit hit him as he stepped into the church. He was expecting it this time, and tried breathing in from his mouth instead, but it only made it worse. The cots were lined up in neat rows like before. Only this time, the aisles between were filled with people, plodding forward like livestock in butcher lanes toward the back of the church. Jens paused to look at the woman writhing on the cot beside him. Her pupils had disappeared into the back of her head, and blood-laced white orbs stared up at him. A hand nudged him gently from behind, and he stared up, seeing for the first time what they were moving toward. The two midwives were hardly recognisable in their yellow robes. Their white eyes stared out from their black, painted faces. Twin, curling antlers had been fastened to their heads, tightened with bits of hair and bone. They stood to either side of another of the cots, above a writhing figure clad in a simple nightdress. Her belly protruded out beneath her breasts, a swollen orb that seemed well past due. As Jens watched, the shorter of the two matrons, the one who had chased him out of the church the last time, drew a thin dagger from her robes. It sparkled in the warm light, its ridges etched with elaborate shapes and runes. He knew then that he was about to witness something he shouldn't, that his mere presence in this church, no, this hall, now empty of any of God's graces, was evidence of his complicity. He wanted to turn around and run, to push through the line of townsfolk and to leave this charnel house behind, but he couldn't. His eyes remained fixed on the blade and the woman who wielded it. 
A low murmur filled his ears, and he managed to draw his gaze away long enough to see that those in the line ahead of him had begun to sway on their feet. They moved from side to side like rafts on the tide. Their lips moved almost imperceptibly. Soft words escaped them, hardly louder than a breath. Burund appeared beside the priestess, his wet hands clasped together as he spoke. Whatever he said was too soft for Jens to hear. A prayer? A litany for the devil? The matron turned her horned head to Burund, the knife held high, her white eyes blazing. A silence descended upon the hall, a tense anticipation as all eyes fixed on Burund. The town's head smiled deeply and nodded. A shrill ululation swept through the hall, starting with the priestess as she cried out in joy, before she plunged the knife deep into the still writhing woman's belly. The blade sunk up to its hilt, spraying blood across the white night shift and yellow robe. Before the gasp had even escaped Jens's lips, the matron began to cut into the wound, tugging the blade in and out of the torn meat like a wood saw. Gorge started to rise in the back of Jens's throat, and he covered his mouth with a hand. Murder, he thought, not yet able to voice the words. A mother and her child butchered in some pagan spectacle, all in the name of a Christian saint. The evil of it all hit him like a physical force, and he felt his eyes ache. The matron let out another ululating shriek, and the dagger fell from her fingers. Somehow, the pregnant woman was still alive, her legs kicking out on the blood-stained mattress. The matron pulled back the torn and bloodied shift, exposing the wound in her belly and her swollen labia. She gestured to the other midwife, motioning at her to hold the woman down while she lowered her horned head until she was staring right into the torn meat she'd made from the belly. After a moment, she cocked her head to the side, the hair and bones that hung from her horns tracing the movement. She tilted her head again, but this time she did not pause, plunging her hands into the bloodied mound of flesh until both of her wrists were concealed by it. The murmuring voices began to fill the hall again, whispers that tugged at Jens's ears softly, like the wind. They were growing louder until he could finally make out the words, though they meant nothing to him. A flowery, guttural language that reminded him of the script he'd seen on the longhouse door. Beads rattled from somewhere within the hall, adding to the sickly rhythm of the chant. The matron's hips began to sway in time to the beat, her own howls echoing off the walls. Her shrieks reached a sickening pitch, and Jens felt his vision swim and the bile in the back of his throat rise. He caught sight of the woman splayed out on the bed, their eyes locking for the briefest of moments, before the yellow robes hid her from him again. He knew her. He knew those curls and dark brown eyes. The flower crown was gone, but it was the same girl he'd held in his arms that first night. How? It wasn't possible. She'd been as lean as a dancer when he'd seen her, when he'd felt her. Had she another sister? A third farmer's daughter Jens had confused for the same. The midwife shrieked again, this time in triumph. The horned woman started pulling her hands out from the pit of the girl's stomach. There was a sickening plop as the matron disentangled herself from the womb, drawing her hands back out into the hall. But they did not come out empty. A bloodied bundle quickly disappeared into her robes, 
while the other midwife snapped the birthing cord with an experienced twist of her wrists. The midwives huddled together, staring into the shape now concealed by their bloody yellow robes, leaving the girl to quietly expire on the bed. Jens could see her properly now, and he knew without a doubt that it was the farmer's daughter he had danced with, the forest princess. But she would never dance again. Her ribcage had been bent open and poked out from her skin like fence posts on a bloodied field. Her eyes were closed, and the ragged breaths from her heaving chest were growing fainter. Jens felt his gaze drawn down toward her broken body, and for a moment he was staring into her womb, into the gaping chasm that had birthed a child into the world. But even as he stared, he knew it was no child that lay concealed within those tattered yellow robes, and that what he was gazing into was no womb. It was like staring into a cave of glass, at a thousand blinking eyes that all turned to meet his gaze. Vomit burst past his lips as something shivered within that infinite space. Another fetal shape with a horned head, coiling tendrils wrapped around its midriff. Jens managed to break his gaze away long enough to see the matron raise the thing swaddled in her robes, lifting it above her head for all to appraise. Her triumphant cries were echoed back to her by the watching townsfolk, their faces shining with glee as they built themselves up into a feverish frenzy. They were chanting now, and singing and fighting and making love, a sharp roar of pain and pleasure and faith. Jens felt the last colour drain from his face as a child's cry joined the cacophony. A paternal instinct stirred somewhere deep within him, one he could hardly suppress. He wasn't even sure he wanted to. His legs nearly buckled when the newborn lifted its head to stare across the church floor, holding him in its black eyes, its infinite gaze. Bony nubs had already started to protrude on its forehead, where the horns would grow. What is it, Jens? Diedrich was sitting on the doorstep of their lodging, smoking a cigarette when he returned. Get your things, said Jens, breathing heavily. Sweat covered his shirt and brow, like a fever had taken him during the night, only to break with the light of dawn. We're leaving. Back to Wissenberg. Hurry up. Diedrich cocked his head, moving his legs to let Jens through the door. Right this minute? He called over his shoulder to the sound of Jens stomping through their lodgings, looking for his flintlock. But brother, will you not wait to hear my news? This very minute, Jens hissed, cradling his musket in one arm while he shouldered his knapsack. He didn't bother with his blanket or mug and made for the door before pausing. What news? Diedrich stomped out his cigarette and rose to his feet, a sheepish grin on his face. I am made to be an honest man. Would you believe it? Me? Last night, with Emma, the farm girl, I felt something, yes. Not like before. This is different. We are to be married. Jens seemed not to hear him, turning instead to stare back at their beds. The tokens, hanging from the bedposts. Where are they? The what? Diedrich shook his head a look of annoyance edging the grin away. 
Did you not hear what I said? The bits of hair and teeth, said Jens. They were here when I got back from the feast. I thought Axel had left them for us, but I was wrong. Axel? Diedrich's smile disappeared entirely and he eyed his brother with concern. I thought we had decided I was wrong. That this Thomas is someone else. I saw what they did to him, Jens said, suddenly turning to him. He pointed to the corner of his mouth with a finger. They cut out his tongue and left his mouth to swell so that he cannot talk, so that he cannot speak of what he has seen in this place. You're not making any sense, said Diedrich, walking toward his brother, his hands open at his sides in a calming gesture. It reminded Jens of Bjerund, and he took a step back. You're limp, he said, his eyes darting from Diedrich's hands to his knee. The patchwork repairs he'd done to his trousers were still there, but the limp was barely more than a subtle affectation in his stride. It's the damnedest thing, said Diedrich. There's something healing about Fjordeberg. Can you feel it? It feels like... like life. When I woke up this morning, I could hardly feel the ache in my knee. I think I'm nearly whole again. It is the work of the devil said Jens before he could stop himself. Or some spirit of the forest. They consort with it. Breed with it. I saw for myself last night. His voice was raised despite himself, and spittle flew from his mouth like a torrent of rain. He knew how it sounded, like madness had taken hold, that the cannons of Als had done to his mind what they had done to his brother's body. You heard what Bjerun said about the old ways. They still hold to them, and it to them. <laughs> Prayed with it, Diedrich snorted, disbelief writ upon his face. Listen to yourself, man. You've been babbling since we got here. Horns and churches and crooked things in the trees. There's... I saw it, said Jens, throwing caution aside as he moved a step closer to Diedrich. His brother could think him mad all he wanted, as long as he left this place with him and never looked back. You remember the girl I danced with that first night? Your Emma's sister? Oh, I. Diedrich frowned. She's taken ill, tucked up safely in bed until the fever breaks, God willing. She's dead, said Jens bluntly. Her belly carved out by the matrons last night. I was there, in the church, when they did it. Diedrich snorted again, though this time he looked less certain. She let them do it Willingly. They butchered her to get at the thing within, and then they tore that from her belly and let her bleed out in her cot. What? Thing? A god? A demon? Both? I don't know. Jens tightened the grip on his flintlock and stared past his brother out the doorway into the town. The morning lay subdued behind a grey pallet, thick wintry clouds keeping the sun's light from Fodderbjerg. Nobody stirred beyond their lodgings, but they would be up soon, their muscles aching from the revelry of the night before. Jens blinked and looked back at his brother. Will you come with me? Aye, said Diedrich with a slow nod. But I must take Emma with us. If what you say is true, then she is in danger here. She was there too, said Jens, remembering her face amongst the crowd walking toward the church. She is one of them, Diedrich. You must leave her behind. There will be other women, 
I have promised myself to her. If I go, then she goes too. But if I go, she goes. There was a stubborn grit in his voice, and Jens knew he wouldn't be changing his mind. He thought about leaving them both behind for a moment and making the trek home alone. The rotten thought had been a candle in his mind for no more than a second when he put it out. He'd already left one brother behind. He wouldn't be leaving a second. As you say. Jens sighed and then nodded to Diedrich's things, still strewn about the floor. Get your things and then we'll get your wife to be before anyone knows what we're about. It's better if I fetch her alone, said Diedrich, already packing up his kit. I'll have to sweep her out from under her father's nose, and if he sees one of us, he'll bring the town down on our heads. Meet me in the orchards then, said Jens, peeking back out the door. He thought he saw a movement at the end of the road, but he couldn't make anything out in the gloom. When no frenzied townsfolk appeared, he nodded to his brother and stepped out onto the porch. If you're not there by mid-morning, I'm leaving without you. Jens waited until it was nearly noon before shifting off of his haunches beneath the cover of the orchards and staring across the field into the town. His brother hadn't come. Either he'd thought him mad and disappeared beneath the farm girl's covers for the rest of the morning, or he thought him sane and had been caught in the act of trying to retrieve her. There was nothing Jens could do in either scenario. Damn it, he thought. He should never have let Diedrich go alone. He let out a soft sigh, allowing his gaze to sweep across the hunched roofs of the townhouses and then over the crooked spine of the church. Its doors had remained open throughout the night, like a black pit, like the eyes of the spawn it had seen birthed within its walls. He felt his eyes drawn to another shape beyond the path of the river. The effigy of St. Ansgar loomed above the tree line as a triumphant finger pointed toward the heavens. But that was not quite right, Jens thought, as he started walking toward the forest. From a distance, he could better make out the shape of the tribute. What he had first taken to be scaffolding had been fashioned into a pair of curling horns. The flowing habit of a saint had been transformed into a ragged robe, and additional appendages had been fastened to the figure's side. A bovine snout now pressed out from behind the hood of the robes. The effigy stood in defiance of God, not in celebration of him. As Jens took his first steps into the forest, already promising to return for his brother, a shape detached itself from the trees and followed. You've been listening to The Breeding Mound by Mitchell Luty, performed by Scott Miller and Anna Capraro. Production copyright for Sentinel Creatives. <laughs>